0: Welcome to the Motion Racing Podcast, uh, the new younger brother to the Motion E podcast um, that will aim to uh, put put, up, put on its comfy slippers and put its feet up and ruminate a little bit on motorsport of all kinds. Um, this time around, um, I'm Sasha, I'm talking to Jonathan Gitlin about uh, sports car racing, and this is around the fact that uh, at, at the time of recording, the Daytona 24 hours uh, is on next weekend. And Daytona always comes at a point where, well, th- there used to be starvation in terms of motorsports. Now there's motorsport all year round, and we're all a bit spoilt in terms of uh, the saturation it offers. But it's still almost that that line in the sand to say, you know, with apologies to Formula E, th- this is where serious global motorsport starts, isn't it?
1: It's, uh, I mean, it's certainly the the kickoff to the North American racing calendar. Um, for me actually honestly i wouldn't even i i would always have said dakar was the what you got in the new year before racing really started now i suppose formula e actually was just started um, last weekend was dakar yeah, Dak- yeah same yeah. time as dakar I, I, anyway, I th- anyway daytona but yes daytona is where it kicks off um
0: I I think I think we have to give massive props as well before we move on with sports cars to uh, Carlos Sainz Senior. I I I'm, I I didn't think I would see an older driver uh, creaming the field than Gabriele Tarquini, age fifty-eight, um, in touring cars. But Carlos Sainz is, is is still the master, age sixty-one. I I I would I would love to have a scintilla of his, of his competitiveness when I'm sixty-one.
1: Absolutely absolutely and that and well done for that car which is three formula e engines and a dtm engine wrapped up in carbon fiber well three formula e motors and a dtm engine i think is the, the powertrain in there um
0: absolutely and the the, the fact that electric powers has um, evolved to be able to Complete a rally as tough as the Dakar. Um, in, out out there in the Saudi desert. It's uh, c- quite incredible sometimes where technology's taken us, and I, I think it's it's maybe easy to take that for granted, especially in motorsport.
1: Definitely, I have to confess I, I have paid much less attention to that race since it moved back to Saudi Arabia. Um, but even when it was just in, um, even when they just did it in like just Chile in Argentina, mm. that was or uh, just Chile, I think it was. I kind of always feel like that, that race should be across multiple countries and, you know, just kind of zigzagging through one country doesn't really do it for me.
0: Well, I'm, it, I'm it, that way. it, it uh, should, should finish in Senegal. It should finish in Dakar. And uh, I, I think... Uh, right. um, the, uh, to 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 me, to me the uh, we're going to talk about golden ages today but like to to me the the gold the golden age of um of raid rallying was the was when we had the Paris Dakar and uh, yeah. when 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 you had Peugeot and Citroen uh, li- leading the way uh, with 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 their distinctive color schemes and you know people like Ari Vatanen and Pierre Lartigue and all the rest but uh, that 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 was a long time ago now i mean um it, it's it's still probably the place to go for innovation for diversity of the field um and and for for different kinds of competitors um uh, take taking taking the field there but uh um it, it's it's always going to be a minority interest it's it's always going to be something that's uh, kind of on the back end of the eurosport schedule rather than something that gets yep. mass, mass appeal isn't it yep yeah but um daytona anyway so um obviously you're based out in the US and um you you're a um, car journalist and uh, motorsport journalist uh, for for a living so um how, how much does uh, Daytona touch your daily beat in terms of uh, in, in terms of finding stories in terms of interviews etc
1: um well so for content wise not really our audience is not particularly interested in motorsport i cover it because i'm in charge of the car coverage there and i think i like racing and i think there are good technology stories in racing and there are reasons why people go racing to improve road car technology um and that and that happens a lot in endurance racing and sports car racing um so really i cover it because i like it um as far as how does it figure into well i mean it it figures into my coverage in that i i have been to daytona i think every year since 2016 uh wait no i think i missed two years ago but other than that you know end of january every year means going to florida which i don't entirely love it's not my favorite place on earth um daytona if i'm honest i don't love the daytona circuit that much um you know i'd rather watch a race at at road america or road atlanta um or even sebring um But it's the start of the year. It's a twenty-four hour race. It's sixty-two cars in a three and a half mile track. Um, You get some amazing drivers there. You get some amazing teams. It's a good race to go to because you get a lot of access, and you know, so I can usually find interesting stories to write about. But kind of story-wise, it's more uh, uh, a—it's usually like, "Hey, the racing season got underway, and here's why you should watch IMSA racing this year because it's going to be really good," um, which it often is.
0: Yeah, they—they and a lot of that
1: is to do with the, the the new cars that they have which i think we're going to talk about
0: yeah the the circuit itself for anyone uninitiated is essentially the nascar classic oval but with the concrete infield section um and uh i i think i think i think i'm right in saying that with a few safety changes that infield section has uh remained the same for well decades now in terms of design yeah
1: mostly i would think so i think mm-hmm. um I could tell you for sure because I have a book on the day ten of the twenty-four. So oh, I can see it. It's behind me in my office, but I would have to dis dislodge four or five other books on top of it. And I don't want to mess with that pile right now. Um Which is fine. Yeah, it's uh, it was but the when um when the France when in France built the track at first, I think that was, you know, it was kind of always it was always a plan, I think, to do um to have a, a sports car race that he could do there. Um and, you know, whilst it might not be a track that, ex- you know, might not be exciting like Le Mans or, um, you know, a 24-hour race there is a really hard thing to do, I think. Um, and and it has, there's a lot of history, I think, behind it now at this point, you know, of, of it being one of the great endurance races. Um, certainly the fact that it's, you know, you, the, the, because you're squeezing so many cars into such a small um, circuit, um, to often a very, you know, the races, there's often lots of cautions and um, incidents, and particularly when you have, you know, such a spread of driving talent. Um, this year they've taken, I think it will be a bit better because we finally got rid of the um, LMG T3 cars, which um, now that the, you know, the car counts have gone up in um, prototype and LMP2 and GT, That's, don't um... need them anymore.
0: That's um, L- LMP3, the dentist class, as yes. it was known.
1: Yes, yes. So, yeah. they, um, I mean, the dentists now, I guess, will all be in um, GTD G T D cars, Sorry, or um, or LMP2s. Or, yeah. hopefully, racing in the um, the feeder series and brushing up their skills, at which point we will no longer consider them dentist drivers, and they can just be gentleman drivers, because um, we know they're not going to cause havoc.
0: So I, I guess I guess that means that um, um, state politicians in America are going to be able to get emergency veneers on weekends a lot more often now.
1: <laughs> Quite possibly.
0: Um. So um. Why Why was it that uh, Why Why was it that in uh, in 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 your opinion LMP three was so hated? Um.
1: I think it was the. I mean. I, I think. It was the same as when they had um, the LMPC cars. I don't know if you remember those. They were the, the spec Orica class oh, with yeah. v 8 the, the issue was, I think, that they, you know, they just needed car counts up. And um, you know, I think it's kind of obvious. If you, if you want to have, you know, with the you have factory teams on one end, and then you've got well, we need to bump up the numbers, and you know, privateers are the lifeblood of in of sports car racing. So. Um, I understand why you want them there. Um, but I think having fewer classes um, and will improve the show. Um, I mean those LMP3 cars were basically just rolling chicanes and you would have to wait for you know the bad drivers to take themselves out of the race and then everyone else could get on with it really
0: so um i i guess that i guess the gtp end of the field is is the part that's raising the most excitement uh it, it's ba- based on the new global lmdh regulations uh which mm-hmm. um i i think we we may need to talk through a little bit because sure. because, because they're st- they're still only one year old um so um yeah
1: so and, the and, le mans hypercars, you're allowed to have um uh you're out to put the mgu on the front axle There's Mm -hmm. still lots of rules like you can't um, you can't deploy it below a certain speed. Um, There's still BOP in both series. Um, But LMH has more technological freedom um, and consequently probably costs about I would imagine the budgets are like four to five times higher. Maybe maybe Mm. three to four times, higher, depending what Um, LMDH is what GT is, is what the the American version was called. Um, I suppose the category, the class of car is still called LMDH in IMSA they call it gt gtp um, yes those used uh, one of four approved carbon fiber spines so i think it's Delara, Oreca, Multimatic and Lige, i guess i think mm-hmm. i should know that um make the carbon fiber spine same as the same four as in um LMP2 um, and then manufacturers bring their own engines and their own body styling um, the lift to drag ratio is capped at four to one, so you can't get too crazy with high downforce um, or super low drag. And the idea is you're supposed to bring, you know, your brand styling, um, which I think has been relatively successful. Um, and then they have a spec hybrid system, which is um, the battery from Williams, um, a gearbox from Xtrack, and an electric motor from Bosch.
0: Right. So everyone has to
1: use the same hybrid system, but the software is free. And I think software is probably the main place now where development is happening
0: so off, so of those carbon fiber spines um how many of the teams are using Delara, and how many aren't
1: uh so well Delara is Cadillac um Multimatic is Porsche um Orica is Acura and yeah it's uh and um, Lamborghini went with um I think BMW is also I think BMW is Delara? I'm gonna have to look this up. I should know this. Uh, don't yeah, I think the who is the BMW chassis, sorry. Mm, yep, the BMW is, is also Delara. I was right. Yeah. So there's there's two Delara's, but it's not um. Well, there's BOP, so it's hard to say which one's the fastest. But I think I think the Orica chassis. I think the Acura um, probably is the the most intrinsically quick chassis, if that makes sense. Um, and actually, they just got an extra forty two kilos of weight added, which I think makes these the heaviest sports prototypes that have raced. Because the Acura's got to be like a thousand and seventy two kilos now. That's quite heavy. Hmm. The 919 9, hybrid. I looked this up earlier. Was like eight 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 kilos with a driver on board.
0: And um, obviously they're allowed to, they're allowed to race in WEC, but uh, there, there aren't any Lamar hypercars racing at Daytona. So um, are, are not, they, not have, yet. They can. They they're allowed to come over.
1: Um, and actually, and I spoke to um, the the head of the Ferrari program was on the was at um, Petit Le Mans last year, and I asked him. Um, if we were going to get the 499p over here and he looked at me and said can you tell me any reason why we shouldn't race it here and i was like well no i can't because it's your biggest market for selling road cars or one of them anyway um and it's a you know good race series they a lot of people held out hope that it would happen the, the way it works is you can bring the car up you can enter the car ferrari R already registered as a manufacturer with him so anyway um but the car would have to go to the windshear um, wind tunnel in North Carolina to be benchmarked in that tunnel, um, so that IMSA have a full error profile, and then it would have to go to the IMSA Tech Center, where they basically take it apart for a week and then put it back together. Um, and I would imagine at some point Ferrari will go through that homologation process, but they haven't done it yet. So certainly there wasn't, you know, and there wasn't time, and the entry list was full. So it's not going to show up at Daytona. I was hoping this year maybe we would get a North American Endurance Cup entry. Maybe that'll happen next year. Those are the four long endurance races in the States, which are um, Daytona, Sebring, Watkins Glen, and petit Le Mans. Um If I was going to guess, I would say maybe that might be 2025. We might see that happening. But um, I was hoping for 2024. Um, but the performance balancing, and that means that IMSA hasn't had to deal with um, trying to performance balance the two different categories together, which... I think anyone who watched WEC last year would agree LMDH cars didn't really have a chance did they
0: They didn't and um uh, my my suspicion at the time was that uh, that situation um didn't didn't not suit uh, the FIA and the ACO who organized I think it Absolutely organized suited. WEC. Yeah Yeah
1: I think it absolutely suited the ACO I remember talking to I asked both BMW and Porsche, this question directly was, you know, you you say you're going to go to Le Mans, but you're doing LMDH and not hypercar. Do you honestly believe that the ACO will give your cars a fair chance at the win versus the hypercars? And the answer from both of them was, you know, yeah, we wouldn't enter if we didn't think we could win. Well, it's interesting, the series doesn't allow you to criticise BOP. So yeah so
0: um uh so the the, the ACO uh, actually brought in a rule that uh, for um that uh, from the start of last season all wet competitors if if they went to the media and publicly criticized BOP uh they they would be given a sporting penalty that that's that's yep. pretty draconian even by FIA and uh, ACO standards
1: it certainly is um great racing but all the bureaucracy that goes with it drives you to despair sometimes all the politics and um sure yes. does
0: and I, I think what one of the cri- criticisms that people have always had of sports car racing is obviously the bureaucracy so uh, th- this this kind this kind of um, um entente that's been found between IMSA and uh, uh, the ACO in, t- in terms of rulemaking that, that's allowed uh, this kind of technology sharing between championships it, it's obviously good for sports car racing because if you remember back to Group C in the early days of GTP uh, that was that was probably probably the last time sports car racing was cool globally but um, is it so is it something that is going to stand long term and do the two of them still hate each other secretly?
1: No, I think they. Um, I think they actually quite like each other. Is, is the impression I get? Um, I think. Well, I suppose that whose day? The, yeah. Now thinking about it, there is. I mean, I suppose there's a rivalry that's gone on for a long time. Um, but sports car racing is kind of always needlessly complicated because you know even here in America, you, we we had a split for a long time where we would, where where there were there was Grand Am and the LMS running at the same time. Um, with you know the same drivers on different weekends, um, one series kind of had good technology, the other one had better racing. Um, I think for the time being, we do seem to be in an era where there's pretty good um, uh, rule set harmonisation or technical rule set harmonisation. I mean, you know, the, the fact that Le Mans has now moved or the ACO have moved to GT3 cars for a GT. Um, you know, I think that that marks the the complete ascendancy of of GT three as a category, um, and anyone who wanted to do something like a factory program where you got a bit more, you get a bit cleverer will will go to sports car you know to in, to prototypes. Um, I hope it carries on. I think the a lot of the a lot of the work has been on trying to get costs more manageable, which is always the problem. Um, you know if you think back to you know the last golden age if you want to call it that i'm i'm wary about golden ages hmm. say that because i because i declared that the um wec when it was reborn in 12 in 2012 you know and that that run that we had of the hybrid um lmp1 cars hmm. that was a golden era for me and it didn't last very long did it well, it, it was uh, we had we had a few brief years of fantastic racing and the costs got as Basically, development costs for Audi and Porsche must were comparable to what an F one team was spending at the time, um, but there was a really cool rule set that you know the equivalence of technology as opposed to balanced performance. Um, but yeah, and then and then we were just left with then Audi and Porsche both went, and we were just left with Toyota.
0: Well, it it didn't last, and let's talk about that because um, y- you could look at the. Deeply cyclical nature of sports car racing, and say that uh, um, sports car racing can only do well when F1 either isn't doing well or is in one of its transitional periods. Um, I, I I would love to hear your thoughts on that, but I I'd also love to hear your thoughts on what exactly if, if if the idea of a golden age really exists in sports car racing, because I I think anyone with a sense of nostalgia could look back at the time when they were a kid and they started watching motorsport and say that was the golden age of whatever um whether whether it was the diesel uh, lmp era uh, whether it was the start of WEC, whether it was even group c or maybe the 60s and 70s um and the gt40s and the ferraris um so um, th- there have been plenty of putative golden ages but does the idea of a golden age actually exist in motorsport, or is it just a case of a few manufacturers coming in, having their fun, winning, and then leaving again?
1: Um, I think I would prefer the phrase, the phrase purple patch than golden age, because I think you can have more than one of those. Uh, um but yes, I think you're absolutely right. I think nostalgia plays a lot into it. Um but um and it does come and go. I think Obviously, it's a, a lot of it's largely dependent on the economy and which executives are where in um, big car companies and how much they like racing. I mean, I think you can see that, um, you know, the change in Audi's board over the last few years. There's basically no one left there who actually who, there's no racing fans there left anymore. Um, and I mean, they're sort of going to go into F1, but as, you know, as you said earlier, they're not really sure why and <laughs> they can't really tell you why they're doing it. Um, I think. There are different reasons to go, sport, to go endurance sports car racing and endurance racing. I think the technology development um, in the past has been... There's been more of an avenue to do it, um, you know. But the trouble is, if you have rampant technology development, then costs escalate. Um, and for a while, you can have different people pursuing different solutions. But usually one of them tends to be better and um anyone who wasn't working on that is now a year or two behind every you know the people who were um and you then you know so you you might have a brief period where it's super competitive amongst lots of different teams but then often one ends up outdoing them and you know if you have like five five other companies who can't now justify the fact they're winning races all the time to keep the programs going then you're right you you get another bust and then a few years later they decide to start it all well up again um the new, you know, the more tightly regulated rule sets that we have, particularly LMDH, is a way to try and avoid that happening. Um, you know, there is a hybrid system which contributes, I think, a Daytona, I think it's still only 40 kilowatts, um, in part because they don't want the cars doing 200 or more than 200 miles an hour into turn one. Um, so it's, you know, and it's 40 kilowatts out of or maybe it's 30, kilo, uh, 40 kilowatts out of, yeah, 500. So it's not really a particularly big contribution. It's not like F1 where, you know, the energy recovery is doing a huge amount. It's mostly doing torque fill. Um, software is where all the development is. I assume some of that is road relevant. I'm not going to say that, you know, it's, I don't think it's like, you could point to things on like the the Toyota TSO30 or TSO40, like the brake module that did like the brake by wire thing and that was you know very similar to one in a production car like a prius um i'm not sure that you could point to anything on an lmdh car and say you know your road car is that's the same as in your road car um but the racing has been very good um and you know we have a lot of manufacturers interested um and now you know the the it's been set up so that you don't necessarily get one dominating um The flip side of that is you could say that well you know they just pick and you know just everyone gets a win so what's the point in watching um cars look cool though don't they
0: yeah and maybe in a multi-manufacturer um space actually you need a rule set where everyone gets a win um i i I too kind of blanch a little bit at uh, some some of the BOP changes and the, and the the uh, the the racing that they occasionally throw up. I I for example um I I I thought that Le Mans last season while not a complete embarrassment because um it it was it was a really enjoyable race from start to finish. Uh the the fact that Peugeot could go there with such a dud of a car and run competitively so um suggested to me that uh B- BOP still plays way way more of a part than it should do in the competitiveness of teams and cars um that the, the fact think, that that's, a, that's
1: slightly unfair to the Peugeot I think last year I think it was the Peugeot was very good on it was designed with just Le Mans in mind and that all the races leading up to Le Mans were completely were not they were F1 tracks But, you know, that that car was built for low downforce, going really fast in a straight line. And when it got to Monza, it did quite well, too. And it's like a smooth racetrack. Uh, Evidently, they realized that's not great. You know, they they maybe went down a blind alley and this year it'll have a wing. Um, But yes, there was I mean, you know, they did also add a little bit of weight to the Toyota's just before the just before the race, which was um, a little unfair, I think. I can understand why Toyota were upset about that. I don't think it's why Toyota lost the race think i think the the Ferrari outdrove them um, and i think the Ferrari had speed even from Sebring when they put it on pole and once they kind of worked out how to how to run it um but yes on the other side i mean i what 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 are your thoughts on GT3 as a category i mean it's not again you don't have the engineering kind of purity that that GTE and GTLM had but it's hard to argue with how many GT3 cars there are racing out all over the world
0: well um i i think i think if um, if if gt3 is the chosen formula for every other gt series then you 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 re- you really have to go where the competitors are and uh, yeah. Yeah, i i think if we if we look down some some of the entry list for for that i mean um well we'll we'll come back to G, gtp in a minute but uh, G, gt3 um yeah it's it's really competitive this time round um and um, i'm just looking down some of the entry list now i mean that there's there's Plenty of um, excitement from for example, we have got, got Ferraris, got AF Corsa there, of course. Um you have got um um Iron Lynx and I Iron Dames running running Lamborghinis. Um I, I Iron Lynx will um eventually be the uh, Lamborghini GTP team as well, which uh, probably will be my chosen uh, GTP stroke hypercar team to support because Edo Mortara and uh, Danny Kiryat and Roman Grosjean are joining their ranks. Um, And uh, I I, I just think um, that those, those three are the sometimes most unintentionally exciting drivers in any given field so the fact that they've signed all three of them suggests that uh, Lamborghini <laughs> are here for vibes and so should we be excellent
1: I think I think the the ones I'm really looking forward to seeing are um, the new Mustang GT3 I was um, just actually at Ford Performance uh, last week this hmm. week yeah this week um, or earlier this week in Um, North Carolina, where they showed us around Multimatic and, um, you know, what goes into the new car. Um, And they were fast in testing in practice. Um, But there's also the new Corvettes. The, you know, Corvette have gone from, and they now have a proper GT3 car um, and customer cars. Um, Curious to see how that battle unfolds. Uh, It looked like the Corvettes, the factory Corvettes, looked like they ran into some troubles during testing, some reliability problems, but the customer cars didn't. Um, which is probably leaving them scratching their heads. Um, that's well, also we're... happening at Porsche. It's also happening in the top category too with Porsche, where the Porsche uh, privateers are doing better than the factory team. Um, but then we saw that a lot last year too, weirdly. Uh-uh. That yeah. must be frustrating, I think, but...
0: Um, well i I, th- I think so although porsche have always pr- prided themselves on providing any customer that, um, that 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 turns up well prepared with something that they can win with there, there was the there was the old quote about uh, the 962 the uh, the the uh, famous uh, iconic prototype that uh, um what what was it what was it um um you You can lose Le Mans with with a Porsche 962, but you can't win Le Mans without one. I think was the was the quote.
1: (laughs) I I always remember the one poster that was um, like a. uh, I think there was a a race result, and it's like first Porsche 962, second Porsche 9. The top ten is all Porsche 962s, except maybe ninth place. I think was a BMW. Um, Yes, that car was. uh, But again, that goes back to. I mean, that you know, goes back to as you said. You know, if you have a category where you can where you build cars that lots of people can buy um, and, you know, you know that they can win. Um, generates good racing, I think.
0: Absolutely. Um, so th- t- talk me through this Mustang GT3 because Multimatic built the... Um, uh, uh for 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 gt uh prototype a few years ago which which which, yes, ev- which eventually won le mans and there's an excellent documentary on youtube if anyone's interested but um d- do you think this is going to be quick out the box or is it going, uh yes, go- i think it is
1: yeah um, yeah i mean they're they're Multimatic they is they really know what they're doing um the car is substantially changed from like the road car they basically take the the chassis and then cut off the front and back crash structures Put on subframes for the engine and then it's a transaxle at the back about a ton of aero um all carbon body work um the engine is a uh, very drivable I mean, obviously gt3 caps power um you know so that you don't get gains you know it's not like not like you can turn up and hey our engine makes 100 horsepower more than anyone else these days um but the i mean they've got a really good driver lineup too i mean harry technical direct Werner, joey hand um, and and Mike Rockenfeller. I mean, those are four really good sports car drivers who have won a lot of races in the past already. Um, if I had to say, I think yeah, I, is it too? Would I call them favourites? Mm, no, this this is a huge field, so and so much can happen. Um, but I, I I they I think they have high hopes for the car. Put it that way. Um, I think they. I think I would expect. I if it did well, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Well, yeah, and how um, have I that <laughs> and, and also, you 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 do get the occasional curio in in uh, in in. Uh, um, in in gt daytona as it's now known um i I'm, I'm looking as well at the fact that uh the lexus rcf continues to run there um e- even though it, and it's it's a beautiful car by the way but it's it's never raced in european gt racing and i don't know why because uh you know uh, it, uh, well that i can tell you a,
1: yeah. i can tell you very, very easily why so because the the program here is right so here it's run because lexus north america has money to spend um and they think that racing is a good way to 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 do that um i think the the reason it doesn't race in europe is because there's um no one in lexus in the eu i think who wants to support racing pro- project um i th- i think it's be- do- i don't know whether are they going to no they haven't entered le mans yeah i mean i keep wondering if they maybe they should bring the toyota here actually and race it in a lexus um I suppose it's a good question. Yeah, why hasn't the Lexus raced in Europe? Hmm. That is a good question, Sasha.
0: But it, um, th- there's there's a hell of a good entry list of drivers as well. I mean, I'm um, I. I, I... And- I I can't I can't see an entry certainly in GT Dota and a Pro that 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 doesn't have some kind of recognisable name from some other formula. We have got you know Sheldon van der Linde, Alexander Sims, of course, who uh, moved over from Formula E full time a couple of years ago. Uh, Ollie Jarvis, who I I always had a suspicion that Ollie Jarvis would be um, the the next the next big thing uh, from from Britain. Of course, you know it, it, Lewis Hamilton accepted, obviously. Um, and I think his uh, he, career
1: was. His career was affected by, like Harry Technos his career, I think, was a bit affected by Audi um, ending its LMP programme. Yeah. Or do you mean you expected bigger things from him than well, he was going to go to F1? I mean,
0: like, obviously he was a breakout star from A1 GP while that lasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, had had a few useful seasons in uh, DTM, but he, he almost seemed to get swallowed up, at least in my opinion, by, by the fact that the 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 DTM field was 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 so big and so covered by team orders that he very rarely had a chance to shine in the in um, in, in the latter years of DTM. But yeah, so, no, he he yeah.
1: he showed. Yeah, he I think sports cars was where he flourished. He was you know I mean he, he was an Audi factory driver. Um, he was the younger one of the, the the three in the Young Guns car, um, and I would have expected a lot of you know overall Le Mans wins for him except at the end of 2016 Audi decided they were killing the program and I think that affected quite a bunch of careers I think the same thing you know Harry Tinkle was also um, poised I think to, to to do great things at you know the front of the field and you know the the when you're a factory driver and then the factory decides well, we're not really doing it anymore you know or we're going to Formula E which is totally different um, yeah it uh, I think he's he's raced very well since then everything he's done though I mean, Jarvis, I think, is a great driver, um, but yeah, it's uh, subject to the the. I mean, Ollie Gavin, I suppose, is a similar parallel. You know, mm-hmm. people thought he was going to be, you know, also the next F one, what maybe another British F one world champion, and um, you know, if the the stars don't align for that to happen, and then you know, but then you you got in with the Corvette Factory, or the, and um, you know, had a absolutely standout career as a as a driver in GTS.
0: Um, it's, it's really difficult to overstate how good he has been or how, how, how good he was for, for about 25 years in, in, uh, in, in sports car racing for Corvette. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I remember his partnership with Jan Magnussen for many years as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, but, uh, they were, it was always an absolute joy to watch them race.
0: But, um, Ollie Gavin was the first ever winner of the McLaren Autosport Young Driver of the Year competition. And, yes, um, and yeah but back back then I think um he probably would have been quite happy with the with the career he was he was to have I imagine
1: yeah I you know I mean I think if you're I think being a factory driver and particularly you know a 20 plus year career as a as a factory driver I mean that's how many how many Le Mans wins he had a lot of them someone stole his trophies I think which is a absolutely terrible thing to do to to another person um I hope he's recovered them but I don't know whether he did
0: I hope the person who stole them got punished as well. Um, yes, absolutely. But uh, um, some so, some some other names that uh, stick out from stick out from the bill. Um, Iron Links with their with their pro entry um, are giving Roman Grosjean an early run out uh, um, uh, among their Italians. They've got uh, Claudio Schiavone, Matteo Crisoni, and Matteo Cairoli uh, alongside Grosjean. But another another interesting thing is that. Uh, Roman Grosjean is, I think, the second driver uh, registered from uh, the Republic of Eswatini to race at Daytona. Thanks, thanks to the fact that he put SWI as his uh, as his country's initials, not CH. <laughs>
1: who was who the first?
0: Um, the, the first was Simona de Silvestro, apparently. Um, who also oh, she did the, the, same just done the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. less so um <laughs> it, um so uh, let's let's ho- let's hope he does well so es- Eswatini can can have its uh, can have its name in lights again in in international. i yeah, will have
1: School. someone scrambling to try and find a flag in uh in gasoline alley I think they call it.
0: Yeah. Um. Do, do they do they call it that at Daytona as well? Yeah. Yes, I think it's called gasoline. I'm pretty sure that's, or maybe that's just indie. Hmm. Um. So um. L- LMP LMP two. I've never been massively fussed about just because it's almost all Oreca's, and um, I, I I'm aware, yeah. I'm aware that, leads the, to, that that leads to a really competitive field. But you know the machinery's barely changed for years. That's fair enough. Um, I can
1: certainly understand. I the racing is always really good, um, but it's hard to know who's going to win. Um, And it really I mean it's you know it's a it's a pro-am class which um I think only super hardcore racing fans get excited about is that fair maybe particularly when as you say the cars are almost all identical I think there's one Legia in the field I'm looking at the yeah there's there's one yeah the Sean Sean Creature running a Legia LMP2 let's see is there another one in the field no yeah so with the exception of them everyone's in Oracle and you're right they haven't changed in years but, There's a new, uh, there will be a new LMP2 car coming eventually, but you know, IndyCar they all use the same chassis and it's even older than that, yeah. That's
0: 20,
1: pretty
0: 2018, racing, so. I think, isn't it? Um, uh, but, yes, but or 2012, uh, but uh, United's auto have uh, Ben Hanley, Ben Keating, Nico Pino, and uh, Pato O'Ward, uh, McLaren IndyCar driver, um, uh, or also another notable entry uh scotty McLaughlin. um yes uh, he's in the towel car
1: and i I, I really hope they do better this time because they i I would like to see what he can do in that car but the car owner always manages to run into trouble in the first couple of hours and they end up like having to spend three hours fixing accident damage and then or crash damage and then they're on the back foot for the rest of the race
0: well, it's lucky in that case that, that they have the masterful driving of um, everyone's favourite Austro-Hungarian nobleman Ferdinand Habsburg there. Um, in 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 all seriousness, um, every time Ferdinand Habsburg does media or socials or anything, he he is the one to watch because he's he's so, he's so funny and you know obviously obviously with with his family lineage, he's he's just he's just there for fun. But he is he is actually a good peddler as well, and uh, he he reminds me a bit of. Of, uh, the F one driver Pedro Diniz, in the in the sense that everyone assumes he he's a pay driver that he shouldn't really be there, but he he's he's always he's always posted competitive times everywhere he's gone.
1: Yeah, I I first realised he was actually more than just a, a curio on the grid. Um, I think at the Macau Grand Prix that he was in because he did really quite well. He, he impressed me in that. Um, he drove really well. Um, um, yeah. so yes, but um, I think his... um bits is not in the field, is he? No, not this
0: time.
1: No. Um. But Interpol is racing.
0: Yes. Uh. In. in,
1: do, in with
0: yes. The 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 deceptively named Inter Europol Racing, which it which is which is nothing to do with crime fighting. Uh, they tell nope. us um um but they have they have got uh, um um one home driver they've got the pole uh, jakob schmickowski uh, al- alongside former formula e uh, neo driver tom dillman Cle- clement novalak and nick bull so what can you tell us about euro into euro they 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 won last time and it was quite a surprise will they repeat it they
1: did um and they're partnering with pr1 um Mathias and motorsports who actually are I have been really good in him so so i i would expect they're going to be competitive um yeah they were their Europol was seemed to be like was, was like a dark horse at the moment um i would i would say they probably might actually be among the favorites for um for next weekend's race
0: and uh moving back up to the um the uh, GT, gtp field because uh, um that that's obviously where the winner is going to come from um you 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 mentioned that acura probably has the fastest machinery right now uh would would you put the wayne taylor team as the favorite
1: uh yeah they win i I would say wayne taylor or maybe the Wheelan cadillac or the action express cadillac um jensen buttons driving one of the the wayne taylor cars along with um uh, Jordan Taylor, who has made his return from um, the Corvette team. Um, and then you've got um, and Louis Delatraz, very fast. You've got Ricky in the other car. Um, yeah, it would be hard to write off the Acuras, I think. Um, it'll. I reckon it'll probably be between them and the Cadillacs. Um, I think BMW and Porsche will... Well, saying that um i mean jdc was it was all so quick
0: and um richard westbrook the british driver is, is is a driver i've always followed through his career i i lo- love the fact that he's had such a long career in sports car racing he I love uh, yeah he, he came he up was... through, he
1: came up through uh, uh carrera cup that was how he got his he got his break right
0: well, um, he actually came up through German Formula 3 with the Benetton junior team and uh, oh. bi- and, and bi- bizarrely, Flavio Briatore fired him mid-season when he was leading the oh. championship and, and replaced him with uh, some guy who's never done anything called Jarno Trulli. Oh. Uh, Famous but,
1: Italian train driver.
0: Exactly. Um, but uh, no, so uh, Richard Westbrook, yeah, he, he seems like a good guy on camera. Um, you've spoken to him, have you?
1: Um, no, but I've watched him race for a long time, um, and always loved watch. Yeah, actually, I don't never have interviewed him, um, but no, uh, I've watched him race for a long time and yes, he's always very entertaining behind the wheel and very quick. I'm curious to see what BMW can do. They were, um, that car was, it was never fastest, but they were always in the top three. And I think after that, la- you know, last year they were the, it was the car that had the shortest amount of time to get ready because it was the last to announce, um, and they were always like a little bit on the back foot last year. So I'd like to see the BMWs do well. Um very curious to see how the Penske Porsches do versus the the, the customer cars. Um I think the Cadillacs the Cadillacs are probably the biggest threat, maybe. I, I would say the race is gonna be between the Cadillacs and the Accuras, but because that's how it usually plays out. But you know, we'll see. Um it's gonna be qualifying shortly.
0: But uh, BMW always keep a really tight hold on um on 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 their on their teams. They they've they've uh, got one works team. They they've got they've got all all of their factory drivers in there. You know the the standard names, uh, Vantor, Farfus, um, and um, they they've actually signed Rene Rast this time, which which make, makes me doubly excited because yes, um, I I remember him doing so well in Formula E in his first season with Audi, and then doing slightly less well in a car he hated last season at McLaren. So. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that he feels back at home uh behind the wheel of a BMW uh, now.
1: He, yeah, I i he his Formula E, I, I mean he really I've always seen his speed in sports cars and um you know particularly in GT cars um and prototypes I suppose. It's, yeah. But um he will be very quick. Um they've also got um oh, wait, is he in there? Um Sorry, I'm just looking at the timing now, and I thought that Colton Herter was in. Oh no, Herta's in the Wayne Taylor.
0: Hmm. Oh, weird.
1: Because in the past, Herter had always raced with BMW, and I know he's tight with that team. Oh, huh, okay, never mind. I will. That digression. Yes, yeah, so I, we'll see how BMW do. They're. Um, um, Conor Filippi seems to be the the quickest person in the team, I think. But but yeah, I mean, Rene Rast, Nick Yelloly, Mark Martin, and that. You know, it's a good car.
0: Absolutely. That's a good lineup, rather. So Daytona 24 hours uh, um, next weekend at the time that we're recording this, and um, I I personally could could not be more excited. So, um, so something that other podcasts do that I that um, that that I've, I've essentially bowdlerised for this one is I, I would I would like to know how you think we should watch this. So, what would be your food choice? Um, what would be your living room setup? Um, how how do how do you watch the race? And what would be your food accompaniment for Daytona?
1: Okay, so so I watch Daytona. I'm, I'm I'm always there. So I normally watch it from various different spots um, around the track or in the media center, um, or occasionally in a hospitality suite if someone is kind enough to let me into one. Um, for food, there's a really good Venezuelan barbecue um, food truck that started coming to the race. So I would recommend I would recommend like some grilled meats if that's a thing you're eat, if you eat. Uh, oh or- yeah. Grill other things if you're if you don't eat meat um i would grill some stuff uh it's a long race so uh hydrate um i think it's a it's a race where you definitely want um a second screen with timing and scoring um which imsa provide because it's sports car racing and it can be quite difficult to keep track of everything um but there's uh uh, I would have Radio Le Mans doing the IMSA radio, as it is, actually, but with the Heindorf and crew doing the commentary, um, uh, and a comfy chair to watch it from. And I'm actually quite excited, because in some years it's really cold there, but I looked at the weather forecast this morning, and it's going to be actually warm all weekend um, with a chance of rain. So now I have to redecide what I was going to pack, because I've been in winter mode, um, and now I have to think, actually, no, I can't, I'm not taking warm trousers and a big heavy coat, because it's going to be 70 degrees.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, how does a Venezuelan barbecue differ to uh, any other form of South American barbecue?
1: Um, I'm not enough of an expert to say, but uh, it's probably quite similar. I think, I think picture grilled beef um, or grilled sausages, uh, and then also chimichurris and various other things.
0: Uh, Sounds good. Well,
1: um, I'm, I think I'm salivating thinking about it already, in fact.
0: Well, Mr. High Performance, Jake Humphrey always says, "Don't sit in the comfy chair," but you definitely should for this one because it's going it's going to be a long race if you don't. Um, and it is. Um, and with, But there's
1: frequent cautions, so every time there's a yellow flag, I think is uh, it's a good opportunity to get up, stretch your legs, grab another snack. Um, if you're at the track, move to a different viewing spot. I think that applies to Le Mans as well. Anytime there's a caution, get up, go look, go wander over to another bit of the racetrack and
0: watch it from there. All right. Well, all the ways to follow uh, motion racing can be found on motionvacing.media And um, Jonathan, I, I always ask people who come on how um, we can get in touch with you. So um, what, um, what, what are your channels for uh, following your work and getting in touch? Um, you can either read my stuff at Ars Technica and I have a contact page there, um, or you can get me on
1: Blue Sky these days. And I am at Dr. Gitlin on Blue Sky.
0: Fantastic. Um, thank you so much, Doctor, and uh, enjoy Daytona. Thank you. Thank you. And um, uh, thanks for listening to the Motion Racing Podcast. We'll be doing plenty more motorsport-related topics through the season, and um, hope hopefully we'll uh, get, uh, get in touch with F1 at some point before the new season. Uh, also, road car technology a little bit. Um, essentially, anything that takes our fancy at any given point. Thanks very much, and goodbye for now. Playing you out with a new track now. It's I Like It With You by Daniel Levi. <laughs>